88K News. It's one o'clock. I'm Vicky Wong. The headlines. A company belonging to the husband of a former justice minister is slapped with a huge antitrust fine. An anti-smoking group says officials are mulling its suggestions of banning today's young people from ever buying cigarettes. And excited Sevens fans are preparing for the return of Hong Kong's sporting showpiece. A company owned by the husband of former Justice Secretary Theresa Cheng has admitted to violating antitrust laws. The Competition Commission is seeking a fine of $150 million against Otto Poon's firm, hailing this as a significant development in its investigation of services cartels. Here's Joanne Wong. The Competition Commission said it had been investigating Mr. Poon's Atel Building Services Engineering over suspected collusion on air conditioning works. It added that the firm and its parent company, Analog Holdings, had pledged full assistance with the probe. The chief executive of the competition watchdog, Russell Butt, said in a statement that the cooperation agreements entered into with several respondents in the case represent significant developments in the Commission's investigation into the multi-year air conditioning service cartel. Analog Holdings said in a stock exchange filing that it won't be named as a party in the suit. It said the company's board decided that it was in the interests of the firm and shareholders to sign an agreement with the Competition Commission. The Hong Kong Council on Smoking and Health says the Health Bureau is considering an idea that it's put forward to ban young people from ever buying cigarettes. The council wants to introduce the ban for anyone who turns 18 in or after 2027, the year the government's term ends. The Bureau says it's still working on its anti-smoking strategy with a consultation to follow. Lawmaker Peter Shield, who represents the retail sector, says the idea is extreme and demonises smokers. Rugby fans are beginning to head to Hong Kong Stadium ahead of the return of the Hong Kong Sevens, which kicks off in just a few hours' time. The SAR Sporting Showpiece is taking place for the first time in three years. Organisers say they've sold 26,000 of the 34,000 tickets for the weekend's action, despite the fact that few spectators from overseas are expected to, to attend. Fans can eat and drink while spectating, but will otherwise have to wear masks. They must sit in groups of no more than 12 and produce a negative rapid COVID test to get in. Chris Brook, chairman of the Hong Kong Rugby Union, says the restrictions are not ideal. Clearly it's not ideal. I mean, we'd love to have no restrictions, but I think yeah, we respect the, the government policy at the moment and we've obviously had to put on what we think is the best event within the constraints. So uh, I don't think it'll affect the atmosphere. I think the rugby will still be very good. We've got entertainment. As we said, we've got the F&B opportunity as well. I think it's all the ingredients of a normal sevens weekend will be there. It'll just be uh, slightly unusual with some of the restrictions. Executive Council convener Regina Ip says if there's not a huge increase in COVID case numbers after the Rugby Sevens, Hong Kong could further relax anti-pandemic measures. Speaking at a forum, Mrs Ip says the event will be a test for the SAR as many spectators will eat and drink at the venue. She says the daily infection tally has dropped slightly in the past week, but officials have to monitor the situation after this week's international events. If we are able to pass this challenge of the Rugby Sevens tournament with 26,000 spectators at the three-day event and bars to operate until midnight, if case numbers don't show a huge increase, I believe Hong Kong can further open up conditionally. Drivers are being urged to avoid the Sampo Kong the Sokon Po and Causeway Bay area as special traffic arrangements are in place around Hong Kong Stadium. Daniel Hu is the Chief Transport Officer from the Transport Department. 
from around 1.30 this afternoon, session of Caroline Euro and Hazen Revenue will be closed. Furthermore, later this evening from around 6.30, more roads in Causeway Bay, including East Hospital Road, Cotton Path, part of the Tonglo Wan Road, Link Road, and Hoiping Road will also be closed until crowd disperses after the matches. Same road closure will also be implemented before the matches and after evening, respectively, on this Saturday and Sunday. Motors are advised to avoid driving to these affected areas. A University of Hong Kong professor has called on parents, schools and the community to encourage children to stand up to bullies. Nancy Law made the comments after a survey on online learning and cyberbullying found 40% of primary school pupils and half of those in secondary schools had acted as a bystander to such bullying. The survey also found that primary students coped better than their older peers over online learning due to more parental help. She told RTHK what she thinks would improve the situation. I think education is important. Oftentimes, the people who do these perpetrations um, tend, to, tend to be not that sort of vicious. I mean, they, they may think of it as, uh, well, I'm just joking, I'm just playing. But they were not aware that different people's reactions could be quite different. And some can be quite distressed. And so, so I think getting and also um, helping children to stand up and stop, you know, things as a bystander is also very important. Turning overseas, the former Prime Minister of Pakistan, Imran Khan, is recovering in hospital after being shot in the leg at a rally yesterday. One person died and several were injured when a burst of gunfire hit Mr Khan's vehicle in the eastern city of Wazirabad. Police have arrested a suspect and released a video in which he appears to confess to the crime. Rauf Hassan, an aide to Mr Khan, said his PTI party had rejected the suspect's confession and accused the government of being behind the attack. We're not saying he had nothing to do with it, but it's a fake cover-up. We would much rather believe that he is just a person who has been put there to provide a, provide a cover-up. This is very typical in this country. It happens like that. When the big wigs are involved, there's usually a cover-up scam. And I think this is the beginning of that cover-up scam. And I think the people of this country are not going to be bothered by that. This is a proper assassination attempt you know, in which the highest functionaries of the government are involved, whom we are going to name in the first information report. The Pakistani government has condemned the shooting. The US, Britain, Canada and Saudi Arabia are among several countries which have also condemned the assassination attempt. Ukraine's president, Volodymyr Zelensky, has said Russian attacks on his country's energy infrastructure left four and a half million people without power yesterday evening. In his nightly video address, he said the capital Kyiv and 10 other Ukrainian regions had been hit by power cuts. He urged local authorities to find ways of saving power. Enduring Russian energy terror and passing such a test is our national task, one of the main ones now. It's important to maintain our ability to act together. So, to the local authorities, please ensure that there is no unnecessary use of electricity in all cities and communities of Ukraine. The husband of the U.S. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi has been released from hospital less than a week after he was seriously wounded in a hammer attack at the couple's San Francisco home. A Canadian man has been charged with attempting to kidnap Miss Pelosi and assaulting her husband. The BBC's David Willis reports from Los Angeles. 
Paul Pelosi underwent emergency surgery at a San Francisco hospital after being hit on the head with a hammer. Prosecutors allege the suspect in the case, 42-year-old Canadian David Dupape, forced his way into the home with the intention of kidnapping Nancy Pelosi. Her husband is now said to be home and resting, and in a statement, Miss Pelosi expressed gratitude for what she called the life-saving treatment that he had received, adding that he remained under doctor's care as he continued what she called the long process of recovery. David Dupape has been charged with a string of offences, including attempted murder, and has entered a plea of not guilty. The Bank of England has warned the UK is facing its longest recession since records began. It said the country would face a very challenging two-year slump, with the UK performing worse than the US and the Eurozone. It also announced it was raising interest rates by three-quarters of a percentage point to three percent. The British Finance Minister, Jeremy Hunt, admitted there were tough times ahead, but said the government was taking action. The best thing the government can do if we want to bring down these rises in interest rates is to show that we're bringing down our debt. Our families up and down the country have to balance their accounts at home and we must do the same as a government. A new report into the suicide bombing of a music venue in the English city of Manchester five years ago has strongly criticised the response of the emergency services. It said at least one of the 22 people killed in the attack would probably have survived if those in charge had sent help more quickly. The chairman of the inquiry, John Saunders, said such failures must not happen again. We heard heartbreaking evidence of the injured and the rescuers who were in the city room, hearing the sirens of ambulances, knowing paramedics were close by, expecting their imminent arrival, only for them not to arrive in the sort of numbers which were needed. A court in London has ordered the British subsidiary of the commodities group Glencore to pay a total penalty of more than 300 million US dollars for bribery offences related to its oil operations in Africa. The BBC's Will Ross reports. The judge at Southwark Crown Court said the offences represented corporate corruption on a widespread scale. He said most at fault was Glencore's oil desk in London that was striking deals in several West African countries with very substantial sums of money being paid in bribes. Prosecutors said employees of the British subsidiary and its agents had used private jets to transfer the cash. Glencore says it regrets the harm caused by these offences. The pain of paying a penalty of more than $300 million will be eased by the fact that in the first half of the year, the company made a record profit of more than $18 billion. Sport and in baseball, the Houston Astros are one win away from capturing the World Series. Syndergaard trying to finish with an exclamation. Instead of fly ball to left, it sends Schwarber back onto the track at the wall. Pena's done it again. He's given the Astros a 2-1 lead in game five. Besides that go-ahead home run, rookie shortstop Jeremy Pena drove in two runs for Houston as the Astros held off the Philadelphia Phillies 3-2 in Game 5 for a 3-2 series lead. They'll have a chance to seal the series at home on, Hong on Sunday morning Hong Kong time. On the gridiron, meanwhile, the fortunes of the two sporting cities were reversed. The Eagles beat the Texans 29-17 to extend their winning start to a best-ever 8-0.
Arsenal are safely through to the last 16 in football's Europa League. A 1-0 home win over FC Zurich saw the Gunners finish top of their group. Kieran Turney got the goal with a thumping drive into the bottom corner of from 20 yards out. Arsenal will be seeded in Monday's draw. Manchester United missed out on a direct qualification and will have to go through a playoff despite beating Real Sociedad 1-0 in their final group game in Spain. The teenager Alejandro Garnacho got the goal. United the, the goal United needed to win by at least two goals to finish top. The BBC's John Akers reports. So United will have to settle for second place in the group and a playoff against one of the third place finishers from the Champions League, which include the likes of Barcelona, Ajax and Juventus. Things started well for them. They were excellent in the first half and the 18-year-old Argentina international Alejandro Garnacho opened the scoring after 17 minutes. His first two touches on the run were perfect and the left foot finish into the roof of the net was sublime. Eric Ten Hag made changes in the second half. He went to three at the back, moved players around. Harry Maguire was up front for the last 10 minutes, but it didn't work. They failed to have a shot on target in the second period. Sociedad topped the group and go straight into the knockout phase, whilst United will have to settle for a playoff. The Barcelona defender Gerard Piquet is set to retire after this weekend's match against Almeria at Camp Nou. The 35-year-old has played more than 600 games for Barca, winning 30 trophies. Piquet retired from international football in 2018. He won Euro 2012 with Spain as well as the 2010 World Cup. Spanish football journalist Alex Ebatheta says the reasons for Piquet's mid-season retirement remain a mystery. It's quite confusing. It you know, mid-season, all the money that he's giving away, contract obviously still at least over a year left. So everyone's a bit confused. And Carlos Puyol also came up with a tweet saying that things are unfair for Piquet. So everything's up in the air as the reasoning as to why. But obviously, yeah, with the video and kind of the way it's gone about, this has obviously been in the works um, for quite a few days. And especially with the, with the that big dinner that, that the team had uh, basically to say goodbye to him yesterday. It's been in the works, but as for the reasoning, I think everyone's waiting for that clear answer. And a reminder that the Rugby Sevens is back. The action begins this afternoon at Hong Kong Stadium with Fiji opening their title defence against Japan. Fiji have won the previous five editions of the tournament, including the most recent one in 2019. The day's final game is scheduled for just after seven when Hong Kong take the field against World Series champions Australia. They're in a tough pool A, which also features New Zealand and Samoa. Now for a look at the weather forecast, mainly cloudy with one or two showers and moderate to fresh east to northeasterly winds, occasionally strong offshore. The outlook, one or two showers and sunny intervals in the next few days becoming fine early to mid to midweek next week. Right now at the observatory is 24 degrees Celsius. Relative humidity is standing at 84%. The news from RTHK. On your radio and live online, this is The Brew Till 2.
on Radio 3, no doubt about it. It's 18 minutes past one o'clock. In about seven, eight minutes from now, we're going to be doing this week's sports and all. As you may have heard, it's the Rugby Sevens this weekend. And Danny's going to be reporting to us and to you for the whole weekend, hopefully not too often, uh, from the stadium. And he's there now. How are you going? Yeah, good. Got got in place. Uh, us- our usual spot perched up in the uh, north control tower here at the top of there, overlooking the pitch. Uh, doors open at one thirty, so we got lots and lots of support staff milling around and things being set up, food and drink. It looks like a normal seven so far. We'll, well see when the crowds come in. We'll come back on Facebook Live in just a bit, and you can have a look yourself. Perhaps Danny, you can prep it so that we can move your laptop around and can show people. Absolutely. Can- just give us a quick taste of what's going to be on today's sports and all, would you? We said cunningly covering up an audio test. Go on. Yeah, we're going to talk rugby centers, of course, but we'll talk more of that as the day goes on as we get closer to Hong Kong's first game against Australia. It's three minutes past seven tonight. We'll build up to that all through the day, but we'll talk a little bit about the sevens, and you'll hear from the Hong Kong captain, uh, Max Woodward, who's been talking to me. And uh, I'll update you on the Cricket World Cup, where New Zealand are batting against Afghanistan, uh, uh, against Ireland, and Australia playing Afghanistan later. Crucial matches this, so the final group matches in the T20 World Cup. And uh, we'll talk a bit of football, and we might even talk a bit of other rugby, the 15-a-side version, because yeah. there's an awful lot going on. There's two women's World Cup semi-finals in New Zealand tomorrow featuring England and New Zealand, and there's five 15-a-side internationals in the Northern Hemisphere Tour featuring New Zealand, Australia, South Africa, England, Wales, Scotland, and all. So we'll talk about all of that when we come back. Brilliant. Six minutes from now, one twenty-five on the nose. We'll be putting the old Facebook Live on, and you can see what he's up to. You can even abuse Steve James live. How about that?